Good morning. Glad to see your beautiful faces here this morning. And your seat is one of these cards. You pick it up, have it in your hand. I want you to take the card, just stick it in your pocket. Just go ahead and get that out of the way so that it's on your person when you leave this building. <clears throat> Palm Sunday. I love these Sundays where um, there's a, a text that you have to stick to no matter what, you know? I mean, I don't know where Sarah Jane got all those ferns this early in the season, but she got them. They're not ferns, they're palms. It's an Alaska joke. <clears throat> they're here, right? And now I got to talk about the palms, you know? Jesus and this triumphal entry and his making his way towards becoming king in, the, in Jerusalem. What I want to do today is actually give a broader context to what is happening at the triumphal entry. If you are a student of the scriptures, you will know that the Bible is answering two primary questions. One is, who is the one true God? And the second one is, if that's real, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for me? So as we approach Easter, coming into uh, the greatest holiday that Christians could have, their savior, our savior, dead, buried and raised on the third day. It doesn't get any better than that, right? And yet here we are on Palm Sunday and I felt like I felt like as I was preparing, can we just skip this Sunday and get on to the next one? Like that's the real holiday we're looking for, right? So my goal today is to send you from this place, maximizing our time this week and next Sunday. It's that is what people need to hear, is that Jesus gave up his life in order that we might have it. <clears throat> so, we are going to examine Matthew chapter 20, verse 17, all the way through Matthew 21, 22. In the middle of that is situated the triumphal entry. What I want you to do today as we go through this story is I want you to answer the question when you leave here, what does this text say we should do with our voices? What do we do with our voices in light of what the triumphal entry says? And so I've broken that down into a very succinct Phrase and use this phrase this whole morning, and I want you to take this phrase and use it all week. Okay, here it is When eyes lay hold of the king, voices lift his name. When eyes lay hold of the king, voices lift his name. So, I'm going to tell you the story. Jesus and his disciples are making their way towards the triumphal entry, which has to occur in Jerusalem. And Matthew records 
twice on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus informing the disciples of something very important that is about to happen. In Matthew 20, 20, 2017, he pulls the disciples aside and he says, hey guys, I need to tell you something. There's something important that's about to happen and it's, it's gonna be a little shocking to you. I'm actually going to be betrayed by one of you guys and you're going to hand me over to the Pharisees and the scribes and they are going to hand me over to the Roman army and they're going to beat me and torture me and then hang me on a cross and I'm gonna die and then be resurrected on the third day. And you would think that Matthew would try to expound on that a little bit after he drops that bomb in Matthew 20, 17. But what he says after that is actually kind of shocking. If you're just reading through the text, he says, and then the next thing that happened is that James and John recruit their mom to ask a favor of Jesus. You would say, that's not really an accurate response. Wait a minute, you're gonna die? That would be a good response to that information, right? So James and John asked their mom, says, hey, hey mom, will you do us a favor and go to Jesus and say, can we sit at your right and left hand when you are established as king? That's a very odd question to ask. Jesus turns to James and John because they're standing there as their mother kneels down and asks this question. Jesus responds, what do you want? Can my sons hang out with you and be important guys in your kingdom? Jesus responds, he says, you don't know what you're asking for. Do you think that you're able to drink the same cup that I'm going to drink from? You know that cup that I just told you about, that, that whole death thing? And they say, oh, yeah, 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 we got it. So obviously, James and John don't get it. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. And Jesus says, okay, I, you can drink from the same cup. Yes, that's going to happen. But as far as who sits at my right and my left, I don't have the power to give you that. And then immediately, as if the, the, the other disciples are, are just listening to what's happening in this conversation, they become furious. You brought your mom into this? How are we gonna compete with that? And you already asked, how dare you do that? And so Jesus says to them, he says, listen guys, the worldly leaders that you know and understand lord themselves over you. Ruling you, making you very aware of their power and how they exert it over you. But among you, that's not how this is supposed to go. You are actually called to be a slave. The lower that you go will be the higher that you go in my kingdom. Just like I'm going to do. In verse 28 of chapter 20, he says, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. This is the second time right before the triumphal entry where Jesus says, I actually have come to give up my life so that you might have it. So they continue on to Jerusalem. There's a huge crowd with them. And as they move toward Jerusalem, they pass two blind men sitting on the side of the road. And they hear that the commotion is about Jesus. 
And Jesus is the one they've been searching for, yet they're blind. And they call out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the men in the crowd say, listen, man, how dare you speak to the king? We're on our way to do something very important. We're going to go find this donkey. Don't speak to him. And in light of that, they shout louder. Lord, have mercy on us. And Jesus hears them and has pity on them and comes and says, what is it that you want me to do for you? And they say, let our eyes be opened. And so move, continue to move toward Jerusalem. They come to the Mount of Olives and Matthew stops in the text and says, what is about to happen is prophesied. Matthew 21 Verse four and five, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying to the daughter of, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And so he pulls two of the disciples aside and he says, hey, I want you to go into the city and there you will find a donkey and a colt and you're going to bring it from him. If you have any issue, just tell him that I'm the one that needs it and they'll let, they'll let us have it. And so they bring the donkey to Jesus and they lay their coats over the donkey Jesus gets on the donkey, and as the crowd follows him into the city, the entire city of Jerusalem is stirred up and saying, who is this? Who is this? The people respond, this is the prophet from Nazareth. As they go through the city, Matthew 21, 8 says, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road and the crowds that went before him and they followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so can you imagine, can you imagine all of Homer huddled around this guy on a donkey shouting, Hosanna in the highest. What kind of a scene is that. It's incredible. So Jesus continues. He makes his way to the temple, his throne room. He gets out and off of his donkey, and what does he find? He finds money changers and groups of men selling animals so that people can come to the temple and just easily give over their money so that they can worship someone. Jesus' response, or worship, worship the king, that's, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it easy for other people to come and worship. But Jesus sees this and immediately has a problem with it. Now he's furious and says, no, no, this is not how this is gonna go. He comes over and he flips over the tables. I actually thought about this morning. I didn't know that Sarah Jane had thought this. I thought about, let's put some tables up here and I'll just flip them over for the front row to catch. Or maybe we can have some cows and some pigeons and we just like herd, herd them out of here, you know? It's like a, a funny illustration. I'm not sure that that would work either. But that's Jesus' response. He comes to the temple and he chases these, these men out and says, this is not what this is supposed to be. He says in verse 13 of chapter 21, he said to them, it is written. It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. 
chases these men out and the crowds are there and Jesus starts to heal more people, blind men, lame men, blind women, lame women. And there's this eruption of worship over the king. How glorious is this? People are shouting, Hosanna in the highest. Look at this guy. Wow. The Pharisees are standing there. Watching. They come up to Jesus and they say, do you hear what these guys are saying about you? Do you do you hear these kids shouting in the temple? How, what is happening? Jesus responds, he says. Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. Man, it's completely drastic, completely opposite responses. And yet they respond with their voice. I could not get away from the voices that are outside of Jesus responding to him as I read through this passage the past couple of weeks. This is what I think Matthew is trying to capture here in addition to this worshipful experience of Jesus coming in and being uh, crowned king at the temple. Not literally, but figuratively. He's coming in to become the king. What he's trying to capture is here is how are the voices responding to this kingship, to his authority of kingship? So I have three points this morning. Three points, three takeaways for you to go from here Things that you should think about what you're going to do in the time span between this moment and next Sunday. First one is this. When eyes lay hold of the king, voices lift his name in praise. Voices lift his name in praise. It's two different groups of people that lay eyes on Jesus in this passage and praise him. One, what we just read, Matthew 21, 16 says, do you hear what they're saying? Jesus said to them, yes. Have you, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? Seems like a pretty simple comment, right? Yeah, we're Christians. We praise the Lord. That's what we're supposed to do. Something a little bit different about this passage, though. These, these people are doing it in public. It's one thing for us to do it here in this setting, for us to come and be led by excellent musicians in praise and worship of our God. But what if I added one little word to this caveat? When eyes lay hold of the king, voices lift his, lift his name in public praise. What if, you, what if you were 
just walking down the aisle of Safeway, singing Hosanna in the highest. Is that, are we, is that, are we doing that? Are we, are we walking through Save You More and uh, down the spit, just, just crying out to the Lord publicly, out loud, not just in our hearts, but with our voices? So what Jesus is saying here is, the example is, even in front of your enemies, you can praise me. The two blind men do that. The two blind men shout out, Lord, have mercy on us. And they say, what are you doing? Can you just stop? Don't, don't do that. What's their response? I'm gonna get louder. <laughs> You're gonna tell me that I can't worship the one true God? I do it louder. So who are you to stop me? Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, 3, he says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Shouldn't this be our posture? That everywhere we go, we become like little kids who know the Lord, who know who is really in authority, and sing at the top of our lungs so that others might know him. See, what's happening is that right now, we live in between Jesus coming to the earth, dying, being resurrected, and going up and sitting on his throne in a time when he comes back. And I would argue that we have the benefit of knowing that he's already done that and the privilege to know that he is going to come again. What is there to stop you from praising him? In light of that information, how does that change the way that you go to work and you interact with other people? How does that change the way that you pay your bills? Man, am, I, am I worried about all these, these worldly things or am I, am I constantly remembering that I'm only here for a little while and God Almighty is enthroned in heaven waiting to come back? Psalms 23, four through six says it like this, says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall flow, shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is happening in the presence of the enemies, in the presence of those who would doubt what we have to say or even want to, want to close our mouths. It's just not gonna happen. So you have a choice. You can either let your voice be held captive by the world and those of the world, or you can sing with the freedom that you have in Christ. I don't have a, uh, a singer's voice. You're probably pretty lucky that I don't have to stand up here and lead us in worship. But you know, you know that I know someone who does have that. You know, my wife's pretty excellent in the worship department. 
And so I, I've tried to motivate her towards, hey, I think you should pass along that gift to our children, you know? Like, they, I think some of them have that gift from you, not me, and so you have to be the one to cultivate that. So past couple of weeks, Maratha plays music all the time, but she also has started to sing with them. And multiple occasions now, past couple of weeks, as the, as the house quiets down, you can hear a little one in our house singing a song. Man. You know how beautiful that is? And it's not that they sing well, you know? They're off, even I know, they're way off tune, out of key. I don't even know what that means, but I know they're not singing well. But man, that voice is so moving to me to hear that. There's nothing more beautiful than that. And I am absolutely positive that God feels the same way about you. Not just singing about him here, but Monday through Saturday, singing everywhere you go. Like if we spent one week Voices lift his name in prayer. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. It's just on a donkey, and just a you know, ludicrous scene, right? I mean, it's it's laughable to think why would Jesus choose a donkey, and yet here he is, humbly presenting himself as king. And he gets to the temple, and Matthew and Mark and Luke, they all give this kind of, I wouldn't say whitewashed version of it, but John just, John lays it out in detail. And he describes Jesus like none of the rest of them do. He says in uh, chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle and scattered money changers, coins, over the floor and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And his disciples remembered the prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. I absolutely love this church. I love it. I think that there are some things that we do that are so exceptional, even compared to other churches, not just in Alaska, but like across the world. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to call Church on the Rock home and you, my people, to walk with you, with the Lord in this season of life, in this area. And I know that many of you are too. Our church is 
incredibly generous. It's, it is, I, don't, I, I have actually never been a part of a church that is so generous to others. It is awe-inspiring. Every church should seek to do exactly like we do in our generosity towards others. Another thing that we do exceedingly well is community. I can't tell you how many times I have heard people say, I don't want to live, leave Homer because if I left Homer, I would be leaving my community here. And that's just something I'm not willing to do. That's also exceptional. But can I also tell you that it would be very foolish of us to say, we got it all together. It'd be really foolish of us to say, you know, we do everything so well that we don't need any reproof from the Lord. Jesus steps into the temple area and rebukes them for saying, listen, this is not how this is supposed to go. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. He's actually uh, not quoting, but referencing Isaiah 5, uh, 56. Isaiah 56 saying basically the exact same thing that Jesus says on his entrance to the temple at this point. He says, and the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to the Lord, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people for all people this isn't just about israel it never has and never was just about all israel it's about the entire world being reconciled to the one true god and even in isaiah he's saying that this isn't about making money or being a marketplace this is about drawing in the world jesus isn't just saying would you guys not stand in my way what he's calling us to do is not just get out of the way, but to partner with him to move forward to other people. Last year, I got to preach on Sunday, Easter morning. For about three weeks, I struggled massively to come to Easter without having a heart towards those who don't typically come to church, seeing them in a negative light. It's almost what I kept struggling with is, how dare you come to this place, this sacred place, one day a year and think everything's fine. Let's just come one time and I can be there and they'll accept me and, and love on me and then I'll, we'll go hunt some Easter eggs and it'll be a whole nother year. I, I, had, to, I had to let go of that because I know that God wants those people to come here 
But he doesn't want it just to be an experience of being in a church. He wants it to be something far more than that. There's only one way that I know that we can change that. That we can move it from being an experience where people come and sit and we say things to them and they leave without it ever changing anything. Ruby, would you throw up that picture? How many of you know what that is? How many of you actually want one of those things? <laughs> can always count on Edson. The Edsons. <laughs> uh, I, I think that the reason why this is a special item is because it's made out of the leftover hamburgers, which are already trash at McDonald's. And then they have to slather it in barbecue sauce and to make it edible. <clears throat> so you know that when, when, you know, when you go to McDonald's, all, you, all I have to do is I, I, have a, I have an urge. I'm just gonna turn into the drive-through and it's gonna take me about five minutes to, to get the, the thing that I want. Maybe 20 if you live in Homer. <laughs> but it's, it's a very quick fix, right? I could just go and get this thing. Can you go to the next one? Or not the next one, but the, yeah. You guys know what that is? That's one of my kids. That's Ovi. That's his first ta taste of a real McRib. There's a big difference between you tasting that and a McRib from McDonald's, right? You know what I had to do to make that? I had to get a, a rack of ribs, which I was uh, so carefully taught by my own father, who spent years crafting this uh, cooking process, right? And we've got a, he's got a whole sauce that he makes from scratch. And then you spend eight to 10 hours loving this, this rib and it becomes this juicy morsel that is mouthwatering for, for a long time leading up to the actual dinner, right? This is not a quick fix. This is the long game. And trust me, the long game is much better than what you can get by, through the drive-thru. What's the difference? How do you take an ordinary Sunday morning and turn it into meeting God face-to-face? -face? It's through the barbecue process. It's, it's through putting meat to smoke. You guys know what the, what the picture of smoke is in, in, the, in the scriptures, right? Your, your smoke, the incense of the holy temple is prayers to the Lord. It's you praying over your neighbor, over the one that you want to come to this place to see him face to face. That's the only way that I know how to take this from an experience where people come and sit in a room to actually seeing the Lord is to pray. Is that our voices would be heard on high.
What if? What if we committed to one week of praying for our neighbor, the guy that sits next to, next to us at the office? What if? What might he do? Number three. When eyes lay hold of the king, voices lift his name in proclamation. Matthew 21, 9, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save us. Save us. We know from reading the text before and after the triumphal entry, that most of the people had an idea of what it meant for the Messiah to come. Many Jews are still waiting for the Messiah to come to do what? To set them free as a nation. The people here are quoting Psalm 118, 25 and 26. It says, save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Give us success. So one way that you could read this is to say, the people in the crowds are saying, long live the king. Long live the king. You're the one who's going to set us free from Rome. And so we certainly want you to come in here and become king so that we can be liberated. We need to be liberated here and now so that this life is good. What I experience now in this world might be changed. But you know, that's not what we believe Save us means something very different to the believer. Lord, let our eyes be opened. Heal us. Save us. Redeem us. Reconcile us to you. So the question is, which one do you mean? Save me from this here and now? Save me from this circumstance? Or save my eternal soul? Is it save me? Or is it your kingdom come? Your will be done. Paul says in Colossians chapter one, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. There's only one thing that can mean. It's taking our lives and adding something to the cross. How are you going to add something to the cross? It's through consistent proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's through telling other people about him and what he has done for us. That he has saved us from certain death and given us eternal life. Chris, you want to 
Voilà. See, what people have need of is not that you know Jesus and your life is great. You know Jesus and everything else has, has, has become good. I have money, my kids are doing well, my marriage is great. Everything's fine. What people need to hear from us is, I know Jesus and I still need him. I need him now more than ever. They need a testimony of your dependence upon the living God. God save us. Hosanna in the highest. We need to be people of the cross. People clinging to the cross. And as we cling to the cross, as we proclaim our need for the cross and his good news, guess what? The people who come here, who see us, who hear our voices saying, Jesus has come, have an avenue to follow us to the cross. This week, we are full throttle, all out. Almost every day of the week has some kind of connection point for you to invite other people to. And not just this week, but the week following. Because Aaron's gonna start a new class all about the cross. And so even in that, you can say, hey, I need the cross, and here's how to know what the cross means for our lives. Sign up for the Tuesday training and invite someone to it. Here's what I wanna challenge you with. This group of people our body, our church, being committed to being one voice for the Lord, one unified voice in coming before the cross to know him, to express our dependence upon him. How are you gonna do that? Through your voice, through praising him, through praying, through proclaiming his name. If you look on the front of this card, that's not an onion, it's a seed. What I want you to do with this card is I want you to use it to invite someone to what is happening over the next week. That's why the schedule is on the back. With your voices, I want you to plant seeds this week in the hearts and minds of those you rub shoulders with every week so that they might know Christ. I understand that's terrifying for some of you, but it's as simple as saying, hey, would you like to come with me to this? It's all you're doing. So as we respond this morning, I want you to think, I have the opportunity to invite people to 
the cross experience, to an egg hunt, to Sunday morning. Hey, what are you doing for Easter? I'd love for you to come with us as a family. And then you also have the Tuesday training next week. Not this coming week, but the following week. It's all set up for others to be introduced to Christ. So as you respond this morning, if you're feeling hesitant about moving forward in this, I'd ask you to come and pray in the back corner. God, position my heart to worship you in everything that I do this week, to praise you, to pray with you, to proclaim your name. Take communion, join him, know that he's with you in all that you do. Give, give till it hurts. And worship like you've never worshiped before. Not just here, but all week. Monday through Saturday, all the way till next Sunday. I pray that this fruit would not be ours, our as a staff team, but it would be ours as a church. That you would see people come to Christ because you stepped out and said something. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son. Thank you that you are enthroned, that you are the true king above all. I pray that you would move in us, in our voices, in our beings, in our relationships with others. God, to, to draw people in. I pray that you would, you would produce something in us and in our body that is, that is only from you, that only you can accomplish. I pray that you would do it now. In this coming week, God, would you give us boldness? Would you give us strength? And would we know that you are with us every step of the way? In Jesus' name, amen. Can't imagine a better song to end on. Shout out his praise. Let's go out of here lifting our voices so that others hear us, proclaiming his name. Let's do it. Let's do something this week that we remember for a whole year. Asking him to bring about the salvation of those that we know need him. That's what this card is for. Plant seeds this week. Asking him to do something you can't do on your own. If you need more cards, there's more at the info table. There's 500 of them. I'm going to pass out like 50. So there's 450 left for you guys. Okay? Let's do it. Uh, tonight's the last men's chapel of the season. We're going to do something a little bit different. I think it's going to be fun. We're going to descend on Alice's as a group of guys. Me and Mark Guests are going to go hang out, and you guys are welcome to come. I mean, the women are going to have to sit at a different table, but the guys can, we're going to be there, you know? 6.30, uh, I'll be there, Mark will be there, uh, come hang out. Uh, if you're having food insecurities, we would love to help you with that. Come see part of our team. Um, as I just encourage you to leave this place praying, praising, and proclaiming his name so that next week we come in full celebration of King Jesus. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday.